Play the fucking intro. This is Dustin, and that was Soundbite, Eric. Eric not able to join here, but we're just doing a bonus episode, a bonus holiday edition. Uh, we did a couple interviews, as you saw in the last one. We had Neil from Schoonthorpe Yobs and Oil, and uh, in about two weeks, we'll be featuring Oil, uh, Oil's music, anyway, on the show. But go back and tune into that interview with Neil on this episode. I was able to catch up and do that part two that we were talking about with the band Bricks and Mortar. Uh, unfortunately, Joey was unable to attend. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the interview. But I thought, you know what? What they did, pretty awesome. They just went and did a, a tour. Well, much closer to when I smashed my face. But uh, at this point, uh, still a very cool tour that they went and did. Uh, they played a show in San Diego. Then they were in Hawaii for a few days, and then in Japan. And we're going to feature some of those bands that they talked about on the show, along with the interview, along with some new stuff from their new album. So we are going to get right into it. Uh, I hope you're having a great holiday season. The last thing that we're doing before the holidays, uh, well, the season completes, I suppose. But next week, still seasonal, and we have an episode, Eric and I, Eric will be joining me for that one. We've got a lot of new music that we're going to be covering on that. Get caught up with all the great stuff that was being shared with us. So on this episode, uh, as I will let the boys, Devin and Troy, cover more of the details during the interview. I don't want to give away too much. Uh, but we'll play a few of the bands ahead of time, kind of where they started. So obviously they're a Salem, Massachusetts band. They fly to San Diego. They play a show before they head over to Hawaii. Uh, one of those bands is The Plagues. And The Plagues, you know, based out of Southern California slash San Diego, uh, this earlier this year, they released an album called High Crimes and Cheap Lines. It came out February 14th of 2023. And you can go follow the band at The Plagues Band on both Instagram and on Facebook. We are going to check out a track from it, from The Plagues, as uh, they shared the stage on the first day with uh, our pals in Bricks and Mortar. Let's get to that track. It is called Insanity. I'm a 
The Plagues. That's insanity. Go check out that album. Uh, you never know when and where you're going to discover some great music. I mean, I guess if you're listening to this show, you're expecting to discover something. <laughs> but generally speaking, you never know. Uh, the Plagues, great band. We are going to hop with them on their journey, as it were, and we're going to hop over to Hawaii, uh, the first band. We're going to feature three bands, uh, all based out of Honolulu. Uh, the first of those bands is the Granite Saints. The band talks about them, and, and just, they say such great things about all of the bands. So again, I'll let them say all the nice things about the bands. We're going to feature some music that you can check out. The Granite Saints, they put out an album called Hotel Street. They did so on June 17th of 2023. Uh, the band started in 2013. They are found at the Granite Saints on Facebook and at the underscore granite underscore saints over on Instagram. Uh, we are going to play a couple tracks from this band. Uh, we're going to first kick it off with the, the track Hotel Street. So uh, it's the title track. Let's do it. Here is the Granite Saints. Some weed, and guess what I find? 
Hotel Street. That's the Granite Saints. I think I forgot to mention that their album came out June 17th of this year, Hotel Street. So that was the title track. We are going to play one more just because it's a cool album. It's new stuff. I couldn't decide which one I wanted to play. So we'll feature them both. Go check out the Granite Saints from Honolulu. Here is Till the Day I Die. From 53rd and 3rd down the Lower East Side The cold kills my soul, I pull my jacket real tight
Granite Saints, Till the Day I Die. Like I said, two great tracks from that band. Let's move right along to the next one. 13th Legion also put out a new album for 2023. And when I say new, I mean like brand new album. 13th Legion put out Face First on December 9th, just a couple weeks back. They started in 2009, so they've been a band for 14 years. Congratulations to them. Great sound. Not the first time we've played this band. Might be the only band that we've played multiple times, or you know, prior to this episode before, or besides Bricks and Mortar, at 13th Legion HI on both Instagram and Facebook. So check them out on those. Uh, Face First, again, is the release from this Honolulu band. Let's get to a track from it. It's called Left Behind. I plan to play this uh, something from this on the new tracks for December coming out in a couple weeks as well. So be on the lookout for it. Here is Left Behind.
great new stuff from 13th Legion, Left Behind. We are getting so close. We're going to play one more track, and then we're going to get into some bricks and mortar, new track from them, get into that interview. I hope you dig the interview. It's great stuff. I uh, had a great time with Devin and Troy, so I'm excited for you to get to listen to it. Uh, if you're getting to listen to it during the holiday weekend, fantastic. If not, and you get to it when you can, that's a great thing about podcasts. The episodes are there for you. Uh, unlike Punkanoi Worldwide Radio, Pow Radio, that's just live. That happens when it happens. So when you want to just listen to some radio, some cool punk music, do so there. But here, Aswang, I think, Aswang, I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. I don't know. They weren't sure if they were saying it right. But A-S-W-A-N-G, all one word, Aswang from Honolulu. They're a hardcore band. July 23rd of 2023, so new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, uh, a bunch of new stuff at the beginning of the show. That's kind of how we do it anyway, but some older stuff when we get to the Japanese bands, which we'll get to after the interview and after another track from Bricks and Mortar. But first, off of Say Grace, that came out January 23 of 23, Aswang, we're going to listen to I'm Losing It. If you want to follow them, they're at Aswang, just as I spelled it, Aswang underscore 808. So let's get to a track from them. Uh, again, this track is I'm Losing It. <laughs> Oswing, I'm losing it. Go check them out. I don't want to give up too much more, like I said, before the interview, before it, we talk about it, because then I don't want the interview to seem like a repeat, as it wasn't. So uh, we're going to get to that interview now. We're going to get to uh, Troy, Devin, and Bricks and Mortar. Before we do that, let's play something off of Something Ain't Right. We're going to talk about this track, the video that went along with this track, the short film that went along with this track. Off of Something Ain't Right, they officially put that out July 1st of 2023, but in October is when the vinyl copies came out, which I've got mine. Go get yours ordered. It's got the ghost fingers. They said theirs was the first, and I've never seen any before or after, so definitely go check it out. I love it. It's, uh, you know, as a vinyl collector myself, 
I love the band, so I wanted to have a vinyl of theirs anyway. But man, a cool looking one like that. And you can go over to their Bandcamp page, Bricks and Mortar. Uh, they'll probably talk about that during the interview. But you can also follow them at Bricks and Mortar Oi on both Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, then and the band, in case you're curious, the band started 2018. We had Troy originally on episode 92.5 which was March of 2019, and then that other interview, which we did just back in September. So this is part three. Got two of the three band members. Let's get to Hail the Wolf, and then it'll be immediately followed by the interview. So here we go. Joining me now, I have two of the three members of Bricks and Mortar. I've got Devin, I've got Troy. Joey is unable to join last minute, unfortunately. So uh, maybe we'll get to talk to him, maybe we won't, but we have the majority. 
Thank you for joining, fellas. What's up, guys? Absolutely. Thank you for having us, Dustin. Absolutely. As always, a pleasure, and it's a pleasure talking to you guys. We had a plan of two parts because you guys were going to be going on tour to Hawaii and Japan. You had your album release as far as the vinyl goes, and then also on top of that, your video. So we're going to cover all of those things here. But the point is, is we originally had this planned about two months ago, almost exactly two months ago. And uh, I went and smashed my face uh, less than a week before we were going to do this. And so it kind of got bumped a little bit. So thank you guys for now joining so we can do the follow-up and part two of this. <laughs> hey, of course, for an SIC podcast, anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pick up with, with the, what you left with, right? At that time, we talked to you. I mean, it was a matter of a few days in the, before tour, and then it was within a, just a few days of when you guys were going to be returning from tour when we were going to pick up. So tell us about tour. You guys leave from Massachusetts and our first stop was actually in San Diego. We played a, a show in San Diego. We um, met with a bunch of our friends who live around there, and uh, actually some people who live in Boston who were there at the same time, which was good too. Uh, we played at the Marrow with the Plagues and the Devin. Is, is it the Folke Wolves? Fox. Is that how they say? It? I think it's the Fox Wolves. I think the Fox Wolves. Okay. <laughs> They're like a like a rock and roll punk kind of band. Okay. Um, they're they're really nice. They uh, they set the whole back lineup and everything for us, and uh, the plagues were awesome. A quick question: West Coast street. When you guys play "Hail the Wolf," did the wolves join in? <laughs> that would have been nice, right? No, um, yeah, that would have been funny. They uh, they did not join in. They kind of sat there in awe, looking at us. <laughs> we did not put that together at the time. I'm a little uh, disappointed in us, Troy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> This, this was a pretty big club. The stage was, like, enormous. So awesome. we were, like, three guys on this giant stage. Oh. Well, <laughs> Being like, okay. On one hand, I'm thinking of the larger bands uh, that I've seen. You know, I've seen some seven, eight, and even nine-person bands playing on a stage that would probably be perfect for three or four. And so when you say <laughs> large stage, I'm thinking, oh, that's super cool. But then that's the opposite of when you have a three-piece band and you're like, well, I guess we don't really need all of that stage. It would have been great if the Wolves would have joined on stage for Hail the Wolf. It sounds like there was plenty of room for it. Yeah, that, that happened a lot in Japan, but not, not in America, at least not at that show in, in California. So we did that, we played there, then we jumped back on a plane and we flew into Honolulu and we played a show there, like right in the downtown area. Well, that was the one that got rescheduled because uh, and they had to like, like what's his face came through for us big time in the end. He put that show. Oh, up yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It got somehow. Some, oh, there was a double booking. That's what Absolutely. happened. And there was a, a local like Hawaii band that they had. They had booked to play there. And I was like, well, let's just play with them. And they were like, no, no, no. This is like Hawaii music with like mm -hmm. um, like those little guitars and things. Ukulele. <laughs> like, yeah. <for> like. <laughs> You luau's and they're like, yeah, you, you guys would not go. <laughs> so they they booked it at this like uh, other local bar that was very cool. Actually, the the bar was awesome. Everyone there was just so gracious and so nice, and uh, we had a really good time. Yeah. And uh, then we played Oahu with Legion, uh, thirteen Legions. Actually, there's a lot of bands. There's uh, 
Do you remember all the bands that we played? That there was yeah. some of the, the which one at at, um, at Ann O'Brien's? Yeah, this one was '86. List 13 Legion, Drop Shot, and at I'm probably gonna say it wrong, but Aswang. Yeah, that's swang. like a swang. It, it was a swang. It, it was like a like a. They did kids moving. Yeah, it was like a like um. It was a vampire. It, it's a vampire lore in like the like original Hawaiian people. Cause I was like, what does that mean? What language is that? And uh, yeah, they were, they were wild. They were uh, kind of like DB hardcore grind. Wow. <laughs> yeah, cool. Because like in the, you know, on, um, in Hawaii, you know, they say when, um, when bands come from the mainland, it's, uh, you know, it's like a, it's an extra special thing. So they were really, you know, we already had sort of this novelty thing. And then, you know, like, like everybody was going nuts. And it's kind of, um, same for Japan, is all these bands, they don't get out of their area. So they're like, they're very proficient. A lot of these bands are fantastic, but they, they don't get out of their area because it's too expensive to leave the island or whatever. Right. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting to go over there and be like, wow. There is like a really bustling, fantastic punk scene going on. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Hawaii's got a really great punk scene. Well, funny enough, is, I um... talked to a band uh, a few days. I, I didn't even post the interview with that band until like a month later because it was like three days before I smashed my face. But a week after I talked to you, rough, something like that, uh, they had just come from Hawaii and played a handful of shows out there. And they were talking about how great, like a, a young scene, but very vibrant, like young crowd, good sized crowds, and just getting after it at, at the shows. They were really pleased about all of their shows in Hawaii that they played. Ooh, what band was that? Houston and the Dirty well, Rats. Well, cool. Yeah. They were like, super pumped okay. about it. And they like were. Punk rock or- yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, they had played, you know, long story short about those guys is they typically go out on tour. They did a couple years ago, like right before COVID, a uh, hundred shows in a hundred days tour. Then Hawaii oh. was the, the last state that they had needed to play to cross off all 50 states in, in the United States. And then they were heading over to Europe to do a couple weeks over there. I think uh, a probably a week or so after we did the interview. But the point is, is they had a great time there. I think one of their shows might have fallen through uh, ahead of time, but then also had uh, somebody that was able to put something together. And again, just great crowds, but a very, uh, they said very young crowd overall uh, there, which was really awesome to see. You know, I, I wonder, um, so we, we ended up playing this benefit show on Maui for uh, the victims of the, the terrible fire over there. Right. And originally, so we had we had booked the tour before any of that happened. And then when the fire happened, uh, the promoter contacted us and, and was like, yeah, um, the show's off. You know, there's we got to find people, you know, places to stay. And I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. Uh, we totally understand. And, and for us, it was like, OK, I mean, we're going to be there anyway. So a, another day off in Hawaii isn't the worst thing. And uh then I think a couple of weeks before we left, he, he, the promoter contacted us again. It was like, Hey man, I, I know we said that we were going to, that that show was off, but we've been inundated with people reaching out and saying, you know, that was the one thing that we were looking forward to, you know, please, please don't cancel it. And he was like, Hey, um, you know, I hate to ask this of a touring band, but you know, we're going to turn this into a benefit. And, uh, you know, we can't pay you anything, but you guys can sell merch here. I know you have a new record. 
Um, and, and people were really into coming to the show. So I was like, dude, it would be an honor to, to, you know, to play a benefit concert for, for that. I mean, like we've, we play benefit concerts for less. That was a, a really important, you know, thing, especially for that community. Right. The fact that they reached out, I was like, absolutely. So, um, you know, we had no idea what to expect. Um, our, our tour manager, uh, in America, Nick Devlin, um, was driving us around and, and we pull up to, you know, we go, we fly there, we get a car. Um, FEMA has actually got some things that you're, you're not allowed to drive down and they weren't really having tourists. But when we said, Hey, we're playing the benefit concert, everybody was, was like, Oh, okay, great. Like, you know, the negativity changed very quickly to how can we help? And, um, we drove up and, and we pull up to this, the area where the show is at. And there's like a line around the fucking block. And wow. we were like, is that where we're playing? Like we had no idea, you know, we just, we're just riding around to places we've never been before. So uh, yeah, that, that show was, was insane. The floor was like buckling because the kids were like losing their minds. It was amazing. It's this it was amazing. cool record shop called Request Live. Very fortunate for them because realistically, like trying to throw something together and get, you know, mainland bands, as it were, bands that might not normally play there. And uh, just, you know, for the same reason you described for not many of those bands getting out of Hawaii to play. Same goes for the the other way around. It's pretty expensive to go there. Hawaii is expensive in general. So to just to go there to stay too would be a bit more expensive. And so works out really well to get a touring band that would play something like that. That's where that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They they were, uh, that was probably, that was, that was one of, that was the best show of the American side of it for sure. I mean, when Devin said they were losing their minds, they were like losing their minds. Like our tour manager had to go stand in front of me and hold my boom stand down because the microphone just kept smacking me in the face. I, I chipped teeth at that show <laughs> because they were just, the crowd was just going absolutely berserk. I was really happy because I was, um, the drums were positioned right under this extremely provocative poster of Prince. So I was just chanting. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> oh, and also I wanted to mention that um, that first show that we played in Hawaii, the band that really came through for us was the Granite Saints. Yes. Cool. Yes, they were they were great. They were, they were a great band. Like old school Hawaiian punks. That's Shout awesome. out to them. Really yeah, cool. And sure. that's a great experience, uh, I'm sure, right? Not just, you know, not, not that I want to downplay any other place that you may go to play, but just one of those things that's going to always be with you. One, you know, if you play 300 shows there's going to be a handful that are always going to stand out. And I'm sure that, especially that benefit show is going to be in your top list there of shows that are going to stand out for you. I'll, I'll always remember that show. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the amount of gratitude and, and love that we got was, um, you know, when you just like leave a show and you're just beaming because it was just such a positive experience for the band and the audience and everyone was happy and everyone wanted to hang out and talk. And yeah, we ran across the street and we did karaoke. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I got <pictures> <laughs> I'm sure that's yep. uh, you know, one of those things that might not get talked about very much. It's like uh, when those European bands come over and like even go over to the West Coast, right? Those huge time differences, and so to go at what you're saying there, you guys coming from Massachusetts East Coast and to Hawaii. I mean, how many is that? Like seven time zones or some somewhere around there. And so for you guys to come. Yeah, well, the- 
and play and stay up all night and stuff like that. That's, that's not just, hey, we're in some place that we normally live and we're staying up late. It's quite a difference. Honestly, the only anxiety I really had about going on tour was that, was the, am I going to be okay with this layover? Everybody's sort of telling me these cautionary tales. And, uh, and honestly, I mean, adrenaline kicks in and it was fine. It was when we came back that I was like, you know, I crashed for 20 hours or whatever. But like when we got there, you know, I don't know. I don't know, Troy, what do you think? I, I didn't really notice it too much until I got back. I don't ever get jet lag or anything like that, so it doesn't bother me. I mean, um, you guys you guys got hit a little hard in Japan. Oh, yeah. but uh, That's several yeah, but more I mean, time zones added on top of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we went from Boston to San Diego, which I think is six hours, right? And then Hawaii, I think, is another three hours. And then Japan was like seven hours. So, and I, I have a hard time sleeping, so I just, like, didn't sleep. <laughs> it didn't really bother me that much. It's cool about all that, everything you just mentioned, you know, like, how far proximity-wise everything is from each other. When you do something like this, especially go as far as Japan, all of a sudden these things don't seem that far away. And you really create this, like, connection that, you know, obviously punk rock and music and all of that is already a, a bond that, like, can't be broken kind of thing. But it's just really weird to feel like Japan isn't that far away anymore or Hawaii isn't that far away because we got right. over there. We're in Japan and there's dudes wearing like Boston, uh, like what were they? Ducky Boys. They were wearing a Ducky Boys. Oh, yeah, Ducky Boys. I mean, it's like, uh, how is this? How is it a small world when we're in Japan? <laughs> right? It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think a little bit of it is like that, you know, they all, we were all promoted, like, you know, band from Boston. So I think a lot of the people who showed up were like, sweet, I get the word, like, you oh, know, yeah, maybe that they're going to right. be really Fair excited enough. because they know this band. Still, though. <laughs> oh, no, totally. Even that they knew about it, I thought was surprising. I uh, After we were done playing, um, what was it, Moonstep, the last show of the 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 Japan run when everybody yeah. was just in the back doing the te like tequila was playing and everybody's yeah. doing the Pee Wee Herman dance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even that's like international, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Japan was wild, man. That they, they take the, like the passion of like American punk rock and just like, like yank it up to a thousand, man, like everywhere. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a cultural thing um, more in Japan maybe than it is here. Like the the punk rock community, I, I kind of felt, and the way kind of we had it explained to us, was they're kind of ostracized by regular society. So they form like their own kind of like family unit. And especially, um, you know, and, and we were pre-warned about having like the tattoos and stuff, but I don't know, I guess it really doesn't sink in until you're in like a different culture who looks very negatively at that. So what, what uh, you know, the the punk rock scene there is they're, they're kind of like all inclusive, like, We'd play with a band and then we'd go to like play a show at a different club, you know, way in a different direction. And one of the guys of the band that we just play with is the bartender at that club or or someone's like the promoter or someone's like, you know, the tour driver or they they kind of share this like just punk rock world because I, I mean, and, you know, they're not really fond on tattoos and they like double down. Like we play with some bands that like, you know, do the tattoos up to the, like their hairline. And it's, it's very negatively looked down in that culture. Wow. Yeah. It's a testament to their uh, dedication to the scene. Really. I mean, like to them, to, they, they, they make a true commitment, like lifelong commitment to, to, sure. it's like, he yeah. said, you know, anytime actually, I guess over there is, you know, a lot of the tattoos are immediate gang affiliation. 
You know oh. what I mean? That's like immediately you're in a gang or, or you're again, you know, um, an outcast in society forever. <laughs> and so, so they, yeah, they literally make like a lifelong commitment. And it was cool because before we went out there, we're looking up all the things like what not to do in Japan. And, you know, obviously us as Americans and me, I'm just very like touchy feely and all that stuff. So I was like, Oh God, I'm gonna have to curb all that. As soon as we got to, um, to the, you know, the clubs were playing, everybody's like, yo, dude, like embrace yeah. it. And it was like, I was like, oh, okay. Punk rock anywhere in the world, man. It, it, it's, it's like, it's, you can go to any country, anywhere in the world, and like the punk rock community is, is kind of just like a, a family that you don't even know, but you're like, it's like, hey, we're all the outcasts, so we understand and we get along. And mm -hmm. Japan was no different, um, maybe even more so. I mean, like, uh, we've got pictures with like, you know, at the end of shows, just like the entire crowd wants a picture and they're all like huddling together. And I, I mean, one of the places was wild. <laughs> Remember, we were, we were trying to ride, ride back to where we were staying and they were like running down the street, like totally wild, <laughs> you know, to have that it's experience. Like mania. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, I'm I mean, I with the do that situation. We're looking out the window being like, um, <laughs> like they're running after us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fun stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Super wild. You know, I have no idea I mean, uh, what the number, right, of uh, American bands or just maybe bands from outside of Japan is that would frequent, you know, tours through there. Uh, but I, I've heard stories from, you know, same with Hawaii, but Hawaii and Japan, just uh, bands that do actually tour there always have great things to say, always say that, you know, the communities are good, enjoyed the shows, you, you don't typically ever hear the, well, you know, it was a Tuesday night, so we played for four people, you know, the, those kind of stories uh, when you hit up Japan or Hawaii, again, for that matter. So really great to hear that the story's always consistent, you, you know, yeah, for, the legend for everybody. Yeah, yes. exactly. The story is true. What, what well, are the well, ways if you look like you will not get a cab. Yeah. <laughs> I... I'm a little less threatening, apparently. So I, they'll stop for me, but they will not stop for Troy. <laughs> <laughs> what are the, uh, that, that, that's a true story. Like, not only that is we got kicked out of a cab also on a, on a way to try to get to a show. Um, yeah, Why'd they, they do they, that? It was, it was, uh, it was like the hottest summer Japan had had. It was like 98 degrees and, and I was no way going to be wearing a hoodie or anything. So they they were they were not impressed and uh, one of the guys would just goes he goes mm, out. Yeah, he, was like, <laughs> he, he didn't he didn't know how to say it in English but he was not moving and we were not getting our show and our, our tour managers calling me on the phone where are you guys and I'm like well apparently we're getting kicked out of a cab and have to get another one and he's like you shouldn't be the guy trying to get the cab ask Devin to do it <laughs> but I'm back. Back, back to like the scene there and like show. So the, the way it was explained is usually the bands from America that go and play Japan are like bigger known bands. So they're playing, you know, big, huge venues. And it's rare for a small band to go to Japan and play with the local bands there. So that's that's like, I think, a really cool part of it is that they're so, uh, so excited to have a band from um, another country come through there and play with the local people, with the local guys who, you know, run the scene instead of these big gigantic concert halls or whatever. So I think that's, that's a, a super big plus. And, and they come out like a, a Tuesday in Japan, like a, you know, a little band like us coming through from America was like a big deal. And they, they made us well, like we felt it. 
you uh we were definitely like felt the love in the air from everybody that's awesome. It's great news. Uh, I remember before you left, we were talking about, uh, I had a question about your, your navigating around, like, were you planning on renting a car? Because, you know, I've heard stories from people on, uh, you know, travel overseas. You know, England is for sure one of those weird ones where when you grow up for how many ever years we all are uh, experienced in driving on the right side of the road, and then you end up somewhere where you're on the other side of the car, on the other side of the road, but then you go to some place like Japan, especially, I'm sure you stayed in the uh, more populous cities, and so definitely more compact and, you know, high-rise, a lot of bodies, something similar to what somebody that might not live in New York or maybe even does live in New York, but you that's what you would expect is, is that type of life, living, and commuting for that matter. So we had talked about that, and you talked about the, it was kind of laid out for you and taking trains and, and so forth. So how was Minus getting kicked out of a cab. How <laughs> was the navigating around while you were there? Well, we, we, we quickly, so we had the whole plan to use their public transit system. And we quickly plan. learned <laughs> the plan. We, we, we quickly learned that with our gear and trying to get where we needed to get, the, uh, the amount of frustration didn't equal um, how much it was going to cost us to get a cab to where we needed to go. Uh, just so happens, I mean, I think they're one of the last countries to open up after COVID and the yen hasn't uh, totally caught up to where it was before. So the American dollar was actually quite strong there oh. for us. So it, it, it was a, a very worthwhile expense to go directly from a cab and not have to worry about going on like the, the Metro or the T in Japan. That really wasn't the problem. It was when we got to the train station, when we were done, how to get out of it. it like, we've got lost. And if it wasn't for Devin, like, Devin had, uh, like, the Google Maps that has the arrow that shows you where to go. Because, like, we, because it's all underground, and we, and it's all, like, in a, like, a gigantic ball, like, every single time. And we get let out and be like, where the fuck are we? <laughs> and how do we get, because there's nothing in English. Google Translator was our best friend. People are afraid to talk to talk to us, so we're like have to figure it out on our own. And uh, yeah, we learned pretty quickly. It was a loss, a lot more convenient, less stressful to just get in a cab or have Devin get a cab. And me and Joey run in after Devin <laughs> makes him stop. <laughs> totally no lie. <laughs> like we had this locked down we and joey would hide somewhere Devin would stop the cab and then we would run around back and put our guitars and shit in the back before the guy had a chance to do anything something about the way i bat my eyes i guess huh? <laughs> so from what i gather the recommendation would be for people going is if you have tattoos hide them wear some bring some light long sleeve shirts if you're in the summertime or uh, travel when it's a little colder and maybe makes more sense to wear some stuff that you cover up in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's true. <laughs> but, you know, once I you mean, get uh, to where yeah. you're going, obviously welcome and nobody, as you say, bats an eye to it, right? It's uh, more welcoming and it's like, hey, I'm going to be me. But, you know, there's still uh, areas. And I, I know Japan is known. Not I, I didn't know about the tattoo so much, but just more kind of as Devin was saying, you know, less touchy-feely, less huggy and handshaky and th those kind of things uh, that, than other places. And so I guess on one hand, it's not so surprising that they have some other 
I don't know what to call it, quirks, you know, things like that reminds me of when I was growing up maybe in like elementary school, you know, back in maybe the 80s and 90s. But even then we, we were kind of, it felt more like graduating away from the uh, people with tattoos or hooligans or up to no good or in gangs and that kind of thing, you know. So at this point in life, you don't even bat an eye. I, I mean, you, you know, if you're covered in tattoos from head to toe, it's like, all right, maybe you made some poor choices there. You, uh, I don't know. Some of that seems like it's got to fucking hurt, too, in some of those places. But, you know, to have a lot of tattoos just in general, especially like sleeves or something, I mean, that seems, I don't know, about specifically common, but one of those things where you don't look at somebody that is, you know, both arms sleeved or legs, and you look at them and you're like, well, what's going on there? You know, i got a buddy, and he's got just goofy fucking tattoos, but he's got kind of that full sleeves and on his legs. But when you start looking at some of his tattoos, he's got shit from, like, clueless or rob schneider yes. characters from the the movies that he's been in and stuff like that <laughs> yes exactly exactly so yeah yeah i mean it, it's definitely culturally and they also ex- explained that the, the the american shows or movies that do come through there to japan and get translated usually the bad guys a big Jack shaved head dude with tattoos. So it's like double edged sword. Are you a gang member? Or are you a thug from America trying to cause problems? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, kind of along those lines, then, uh, how was communication? You know, like uh, I know, especially in Europe, just about every European country, most people speak multiple languages, but it's always native language, English, and then on top of that, whatever other languages, as opposed to here in the United States, we all speak English. Some people might speak Spanish or maybe French if you're, you know, close to the border over near Montreal or, you know, something like that, but not as common to speak multiple, if not several languages. So in Japan, how is communication? Because for me, like I took French in high school, by no means am I fluent, but I can read it. And so the only country I been to besides Mexico that, that don't speak Spanish anyway was France and I was able to navigate enough like I could read signs I can kind of understand communicate like me verbally was tough because that was much slower and I really had to think about words and I couldn't really converse in full sentences but for a, a country that has a language where obviously the alphabets aren't the same I mean at least visually and you're so you're looking at and it's just symbols I mean I could be looking at Japanese and somebody could say, well, those are actually letters that translate into words, or it could be a design that means nothing. And it's just somebody was making some pen strokes for all I know, right? I haven't looked at it enough. So that seems like that would be confusing. So how was communication and navigation? As you said, you were using like uh, Google to navigate around, but reading signs or communicating with people? How did that go besides hold the X up and get out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of gestures. Me trying to work that washer in our Airbnb was wonderful. <laughs> that was a great experience. The, um, we had this thing, so Google Translate like uh, only got us so far. There was this thing, it was called Papago, and I will like mention that. P-A-P-A-G-O. If you are going to Japan, this was like your best friend. Because what you do is you just take a picture of something in Japanese and it just scans it real quick and then it translates it into English like right oh. there. So this is how we met, this is how we read menus. This is how we read signs. This is how we read the train line. This is how basically, yeah, how we got around. Honestly, that's how I figured out that damn washer. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and and double down. Like if you're a band going to Japan, do not rent a car unless you have a Japanese driver because it's. But we stayed in Tokyo City, and then we played like all around. Tokyo was like gigantic, and, and Tokyo City itself is like New York. There's like a thousand people, a million things going on everywhere. There's no place to park, and if there's a place to park, it, you've got to know that it, you're not going to get towed. And I couldn't even imagine. And, and they drive on the uh, they drive in like the British side also, oh. which is weird <laughs> because they were never a British colony. So that that was surprising. But it, it, unless you have someone who's native and knows all the things, like we would have probably gotten the car towed within the first five minutes, if not gotten an accident. And everything is super small there. So there's also that <laughs> <laughs> trying to get little cars into little spaces with big guys. like <laughs> Right. And I'm sure if you, you know, having done this, say, like 10 years ago, obviously it would have been very difficult because, you know, our smartphones and apps and uh, the cameras reading stuff for you as that app would have done for you while you were there. It, it, we weren't quite there yet back in 10 years ago and maybe even uh, less time than that. So obviously that would have been very difficult for somebody to do then and turns but out it might not be remember bad. back in the day, you know, MapQuest, I mean, you just got, you got, you got by. Yeah. You wrote the things out. Like, you know, I remember, but cool. back then, you know, like 15, 20 years ago, uh, those were available, but not as available maybe on the phone. And I remember printing them out on MapQuest and like having it on paper and trying to follow the directions on paper <laughs> instead right. of the phone. Finding it in the car. I love that. Directions go. Yeah. I, I, I love printing physical directions. Totally, man. Right? Oh, yeah. But when it came to communicating like regularly on the street, like, no, they, they do not speak English like at all. We got very far with uh, Konnichiwa and uh, or got, yeah. uh, Arigato Gosayamas, which I found out was um, too formal. <laughs> <laughs> I kept saying that to everybody. And the, the one guy we went on a food tour it was like one of the one of the organized fun things we did, and um, and he was like, "Just so you know, man, you're doing you're going a little overboard with that." I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess you had to say "domo." <laughs> yeah, no. So, but they were super cool. Like, I, I would translate and then show my phone, and you know, people, the people who would actually come up to us or like let us come up to them without running away, they they they, they would look at the phone and, and like try to help us if they could, you know, for the most part. But as far as other languages, no. I mean, um, our tour manager spoke pretty good English, and other than that, it was uh, they speak Japanese pretty much predominantly. Okay. Um, one thing that was kind of cool, people who found out there were American bands coming and playing the clubs who didn't even know about us but knew there was a band from America, they would just show up to the show. Wow. Like, we met people from Australia. Uh, we met people. We met some expats from America. We met um, people from the UK. And uh, they wanted to talk English with us, and, and that was kind of like a thing, you know, like, Especially, uh, we played this this crazy show that was like a converted World War II bomb shelter that was like three flights of stairs underground called the Rat Hole, and uh, there was there was like um, we people from Australia, America, England, um, that one girl from Vietnam who spoke English came and, and wanted to talk to us. <laughs> it was pretty cool, yeah. I'm sure it's intimidating. You know, I can picture this, uh, you know, being somewhere and everybody's saying something and you don't know what they're saying. And if you need something or want to know something, and then you have to hope that they're willing, as you said, willing to 
kind of go through the motions there, the steps of translating over the phone, reading, going back and forth and stuff like that, because it's not as easy, obviously, as we're doing right now. Uh, You know, I always appreciate all the people that I do the interviews with that are from Germany or Netherlands or somewhere else where English is their second language, and so it might be more difficult or intimidating for them. And so I could picture being on the other side of that. And again, in a language that, for me, I'm looking at it and I'm guessing what might be letters. I mean, uh, with a, again, not having looked at it much, what are letters, what are numbers, and what are just scribbles? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, on posters and pictures. And who, for me, I wouldn't even know. And so that would be really intimidating and you'd feel kind of helpless in a way where it's like. Especially if you're trying to order food. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was also kind of hard because they, they have the, like, written language and then they have the, like, kanji characters. I don't so, even like, know what that, that is. That mean, like, <laughs> that mean, like phrases. So, yeah, it, 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 there's, like, there's, they, they have two ways to, like, communicate. So, yeah, it is a little – for us, it was a little difficult. I mean, I, at the end of our stay, I think we felt a lot more comfortable and a lot less intimidated than when we first got there, you know, after – because – our, our tour manager was really great with translating stuff and like explaining things to us. And, and some of the, some of the bands we played with um, first brew, which is this amazing band out of Tokyo. And uh, the singer spent some time in Canada. So in Vancouver, so he, he did, he could speak decent English and uh, you know, he was, he was really communicative and explaining a lot of the things that which is just stupid American questions <laughs> that that we were asking they, they, they laugh but they, they they you know tell us what we wanted to know which was cool I mean that, they were so gracious and so patient with us that I I, I can't give them enough love for uh, how they made us feel when we were over there right and I think because you were there for a specific group of people, right? You know, people that are into what you're doing. You know, if we just go to some other country and you just get a random hodgepodge of people, and it could be the same way for somebody coming from some other country. If you guys had a Japanese band and they come do a tour of the East Coast, they're probably going to have a great time, even though maybe speaking English might not be something they predominantly do, but being with and you're spending more the majority of their time with people that are there to see their music and into what they're doing. And hence, you know, you guys being in that situation there is probably better, more comfortable, as opposed to if you guys were just going to wander the city and be tourists and try to get taxi cabs to stop for you and take you from point A to point B instead of stop, stopping somewhere in between. <laughs> Yeah, there's more camaraderie. Right, yeah. You're yeah. more willing to, like, hey, we're different, but we're the same. We, As opposed to, you know, there's all walks of life, and some people have their whatever, their opinions without finding out, you know, about somebody. And it, it seems like, you know, that's probably more so visually anyway in Japan. Maybe not necessarily, but, I, you know, just in reflection to tattoos. You look at somebody with tattoos, and I'm thinking now, I don't even bat an eye, you see somebody with tattoos, but to look at somebody and immediately be like, oh, I don't know if you're safe to talk to, I'm going to run the other way, and I don't really want you in my taxi cab. You know, so I'm going off of that. So if you have just a random group of people, probably very difficult time, but just being well, there you. for who you were there for, right? Uh, probably great. Welcoming. Well, very welcoming. The, the bands we play with were just all, all incredible, incredible. Like, we headlined most of the shows, and we would, like, you know, get there, load up, do sound check, 
And uh, one thing that I want to mention for the other bands that listen to your podcast is going to Japan. They all, every club has really good gear. All you need to bring is like your guitar, and if you want, like pedals. But they've got heads, amps, good ones, drum sets. Yeah. So it, it was. It's one thing that they've got on top of uh, you know people in America. I think I've played two clubs in all of America that actually had an amp that you didn't have to bring one or backline. It was all there for you. Sound so, systems were sick too. They were like legit. All of the sound systems were awesome. Yeah. We're not used to that. <laughs> yeah. That's good news and yeah. great to to share. That's cool. And uh, I'm sure, Devin, you had the easiest, right? You, you know, you didn't even have to pack around a guitar, a couple drumsticks, <laughs> lighter well, load. I mean, I'm a little bit, I, I'm a, I was a, I played death metal for a long time. So I, I was, you know, I'm a little bit particular about the way I play. And so when I got into the punk scene, I was very, uh, it was very hard for me at first to share drum sets the way that is so commonly done in the scene, you know? Um, and then, you know, of course I've done it, uh, my previous band, like we'd go on a European tour, I'd like play the kid over there. I'd bring my breakables, but, um, but I've gotten really good at being okay, accepting the challenge. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I just brought my, my breakables and I was just going along for the ride. Everything was fine, <laughs> except the one show we played in Hawaii. I think it was, uh, Anna O'Brien's, which was our biggest show over there. Right, I feel, and um, I got all excited because the drum set I was playing had a hydraulic seat that I had never used before. And yeah, 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 this one. And I, and I never, um, I was like, Troy, look at this thing. I'm actually on a hydraulic seat right now. I was like, I was like, Troy, look, go up and down. I go down. Look at that. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna get one. So we start playing, and uh, 35 seconds into the first song, here I go. Dude. <laughs> I was dying. All of a sudden, here's my snare drum, and here's me, and I'm like, what? How is this possible? So I have to figure out how to get up, pull the seat back up, not miss a beat, right? So it was just a lot of moving parts, and if I didn't get good with accepting the challenge, I would have probably had a meltdown. So, <laughs> so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that hydraulic seat was funny, and like, we're in, in the drummer whose seat it was is like, I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah, that's never oh. happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> really, dude, it's your drum seat. Don't you know how to use it? He's like, I don't know. It's never happened before. It, it, it didn't have an ass like Devin's on it. So that, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I drink some soup. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking about that, you, you mentioned a couple of the bands that you played with in Hawaii. A couple I've played on the show before and now it's familiar with and some I'm not. So I definitely want to check out while you were in Japan. Uh, any bands that, that stood out as to either maybe new for you or just really cool bands that you enjoyed getting to meet, getting to watch, and so forth? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, uh, like I mentioned, First Brew, um, they, were, they were awesome. They were, like, they were like the dark buster of Tokyo. They, they were just super melodic, like street punk, but they had this guitarist that was doing, like, arpeggio slides, like, just, like, insane guitar solos and guitar harmonies over like the punk rock music so it gave it this kind of like metal edge to it that i've never heard in an american punk rock before did you just to watch this dude i was just like oh my god like and, and you know with punk rock music and uh and devin the the rhythm guitarist was a super bon jovi fan and so devin lost his mind <laughs> 
the, the, I mean, the, look, look, the, I'll throw to my John Bon Jovi that I have right Oh, here, yeah. Right? It's Boom. a good tattoo there on right? your forearm. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is my portrait of John, right? He's my hero. Everybody knows it. And, so, and I'm so crazy about Bon Jovi that all I have to do is see an N and a J on a T-shirt, like through the leather jacket. And I know it's Bon Jovi. I walked up to him. I'm like, yo, let me see that. And I pull up in his leather jacket. And he had the sickest Bon Jovi shirt I've ever seen. It was John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora as like, iconic uh like like superheroes they were all like like drawn like big huge but i've never seen this shirt it was like blowing my mind then he, t- he proceeds to tell me he's a huge bon jovi fan he's only 20 years old and uh so good job mom and then um and then he, uh and then he he goes dude and I, of course i was like oh my god so i showed him my john and then he goes check this out he opens up his guitar case he's playing richie sambora's signature kramer fucking guitar so yeah. I'm like, I'm like, why am I in Japan right now meeting, playing with a dude who's playing Richie Sambor's guitar? Like this, it was just, my brain was like, I can't handle this. It was yeah. too exciting. It was, it, it, and they were just so great. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I was like, I mean, the bands over there are just so good. Yeah. Uh, um, who else was up? Uh, no Problem, Bumped His Head, uh, yeah. Girl. Tricolor was one of my favorite bands. Bayonets, Tricolor. Oh, the Bayonets were sick, dude. Yeah. The, the Bayonets actually covered a Darkbuster song for us, and I ran up on stage and sung. Yeah, yeah. That that well, but Bayonets is a, they're they're more of a bigger known band. Um, but uh, we played in at the Rat Hole this band called Tricolor, which was like thrash oi. That like never really heard anything like them. They're like yeah. like super fast thrashy municipal waste. Like yeah. verses with like big oi choruses, and it wow. looks super cool. And yeah, the- and, and uh, like uh, we did a um, so all the footage that we were taking on tour, we've been releasing these little things on our YouTube. Um, uh, we've been calling them vagrant vignettes, and so <laughs> um, so in the first one, uh, I did a lot of the um, like I'll show excerpts of the different bands, and I was like showing like the name of the band too. So it's kind of, so you can go in there and check out at least like get a visual on them and see the spelling in the description. And then people can go look them up. Cause there's a lot of, I named all the bands we played with in that first video. That's fantastic. You too. Some of them were hard. Cause we had to like take the, the kanji symbols and then send them to our tour manager and say, Hey, what's the English translation for this band? So we get it right. So people in America know what to look for. The only one I screwed up was I thought that band was called Echinacea and they weren't, they were called Tricolor. <laughs> yeah. Tricolor is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, and like, uh, we play with cream Panda, who was uh, a really yeah, awesome band. And that is their name. <laughs> yeah, that is their name. A street punk band. Um, that we played with like the rancid of Japan named Skinhead Girl. They're, yep. they're wild. They got the crowd going berserk. Unix. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the quality of the music is so top notch when we had to headline over all these bands that were just ridiculously good. We're just like, oh man, like how are we going to play after these guys? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and, I'm sure they were, we were excited also, to see you guys, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. But, I mean, it's just the, the, the caliber and quality of musicianship um, cool. was was crazy good. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, like, and, like, some of the bands, like, like uh, first Bruce singing in English. So um, they're recording now. I'm, I'm going to totally hand their stuff to our record label guy and be like, hey, these guys will kill they're, I'm, I'm so excited to hear uh, what they come out in the studio with because they've been like a band for five years and they're like, yeah, yeah, we thought about recording some songs. I'm like, what? Yeah, there's a different like, sense of urgency, it seemed, over there. Like, with us, we're like, go, 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 go. But over there, yeah. they're, like, they're like, oh, we play shows, we do our thing. Good enough. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. The, it was uh, mo most of the, like the scene and the live feel that was like super important, which it, it's also super important to us for sure. But, um, you know, as far as like promotion and getting things over there. So the, you know, the people in Japan knew what we sounded like before we went over there. That That's like extra important to us. And in Japan, that they were just like, oh, we like we play all these shows. And they, it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal to like have a record or make sure that like we got the record or had something that we could bring back to, to show our friends in America kind of thing. Because like, we, we pretty much bought something from every single band that we could so we could bring back and share it with everybody else. That's awesome. I, I hope, you know, I'm going to go back through afterwards and check out all these bands because uh, I played bands from Japan before and I don't, maybe one of those bands I think I actually recall the name of the band, so I'm really excited to go check out, and hopefully the, their stuff's accessible. As you guys were saying, you can translate the name so you can tell people so they know what to look for. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You might have to do a little work to find some of it, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's great. Great, great yeah. caliber, like you said, of musicianship over that, must say. And the, and the food was was amazing. I ate so many things. Everything, I mean, I ate, I mean, I ate, as Devin, I'd be like, ooh, I've never seen this weird thing. I'm going to eat it. I tried everything. I remember before the first part interview, we were talking about uh, how much you love sushi. So you were super excited to go uh -huh. eat. And you were going to talk, I think we were talking about you eating uh, blowfish or, or, or something like that, where uh, you could only have so much of it. Uh, and you were going to, we were talking about what happened, what would happen if you had too much of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was told not to do that by our tour manager under any circumstances. <laughs> he said, he said, he laughed. And Narogi was like, do, no, don't do that. Don't eat that. Don't take that shot. Don't do it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll trust you because I'll do it. He's like, he's just laughing. He's like, no, do not do that. So I, that was like one of the first things I asked him. <laughs> one of the things you do need to go to do uh, if you do ever go to Tokyo um, is visit Deathmatch in Hell, which is oh, the yes. biggest uh, B-movie and horror bar on Earth. It's in, it's in the yeah. Golden Guy District, and it's a tiny little hole in the wall. We're walking around the Golden Guy District because we heard that was like the gay district. So we were like, all right, let's see what's going on here. Let's find some lady boys. Just want to see what, you know, I just wanted to get my eyes on some authentic lady boys. And, um, <laughs> and then what do we, then we're walking down the street and then all of a sudden we see this huge Texas Chainsaw Massacre poster. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then we realized that this, uh, our buddy Justin Kelly had just been in Japan, I think, and told us about this bar. So I think Troy already knew about it. I didn't know about it. So I'm like, dude, look at that. And then Troy goes, oh, that's the bar. I'm like, what bar? <laughs> we haven't found it by accident. Dude, if we go in and they're playing the most brutal death metal. They're playing Terrifier, like yes. freaking out the people at the bar. It was so <laughs> People uh, the wolf When we went in there, he asked yeah. me where And, uh, you know, he started playing our stuff in there. It was just very cool. Very, very fucking cool. Yeah, we, we happened to go on a day that the owner was in there. And uh, we got we got... Everyone in the band's got like the, the shirt from the bar that the shirt is ridiculously awesome. And uh, he was just like super cool, just like feeding us drinks. I, I mean, I, I, re I remember at the end of the night, we were in there for hours and like the bill was, was not a lot of money. He was just like happy to be there hanging out, playing Terrifier of all movies. Him and I got in like he spoke pretty decent English. 
And we just got into like hardcore horror movies. Cause I'm like a, a horror movie, like well, we, me and Devin both are like aficionado. We were going back and forth and he's, he's like ripping DVDs out of piles of fucking carnage everywhere. And he's like showing me, and I'm taking a picture of it. He's like, Oh, hard to find. But you should try to find this one. And uh, they, he's playing terrifier. I think there's these people in there from Sweden. Right. So it sounded like they were speaking and they were not psyched about what was going on on the television screens. And they actually got up and left. <laughs> I was dying laughing. The owner was dying laughing. It was, it was really fun. Everybody it was worried about losing that business. <laughs> yeah. He did, he did not seem he was worried at all. <laughs> it was cool because we got back and then I watched that movie talk to me. And then I obviously oh, yeah. started uh, following um, Deathmatch on hell, which everyone should do on, on their socials. And, um, and I uh, and I saw that the director to talk to me was there the day like the day after us. Shut oh wow! Up, yeah. How crazy! Is that? So is he taking pictures with us the one day and then pictures with him the next day and then I just watched that movie. So it was again another weird small world thing happening across the fucking world. Right? Just oh, crazy. Wild. <laughs> just crazy. We got to, we got to go to these uh, like like very specialty sushi restaurant where there was like I don't know six chairs and like the the sushi chef who like. I, like trained for four years and apprentice for four years and and they'd like make one piece of sushi and like turn it around you had to eat it with your fingers and it was the most insane experience like i one of the most insane food experiences i've ever had sitting in there with this with this like master chef and just like preparing this food in this like special way it was like a food opera watching him cut the fish and prepare it and and the wasabi was this like giant root and he's grinding the root and then he gets the paste and he makes it and gives it to you right there. And it's nothing like what you get in America. Food was like amazing. And then his talent was like the garnish on. It was just beautiful. Oh, and then I, I played, uh, we wouldn't really eat dinner until like two o'clock in the morning after we got done playing and like got our shit together. And uh, we'd find these um, like little cool restaurants, you know, around Tokyo and, uh, where there was just like whatever kind of meats you could ever think of that was on an animal somewhere that would marinate it and then grill it and then give you these skewers of it. And it all just tasted amazing. And uh, we went to this one place. I, I can't remember the name, but I ordered the sushi roulette, which I, I had in America once. And, and what they do is they line up a bunch of sushi and one of them is wasabi and they kind of disguise it so you can't tell the difference. And then everyone takes some sushi and someone's going to get it. It's like a full piece of wasabi. And I got it. And I was, I, I was the closest I've ever been at vomiting my guts out all over the entire table at a restaurant. I was, <laughs> I was hurting real bad, real, my eyes were watering. I thought, I thought I was, was going to fucking pass out. It was, uh, it was not like the wasabi that you get here in America. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I eat, I love the wasabi, and I'm sure it's so toned down compared to what you would get there. And if I eat a, a like a good sized chunk, I can feel it coming up through my my nose. My nose starting to water. I'm like, oh, geez, I gotta gotta get something to tame that down. So I couldn't imagine having some large piece of that. Uh, God, you would just be losing your bodily fluids through your face. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. Devin and Joey are looking at me and I, I, didn't, I didn't even know what to do. Like my brain was just like, uh, and I'm like, don't you, don't you, don't you. 
you don't want to puke because I can't really explain what's happening to anyone there. Yeah. Right. Uh, is that a common occurrence for them to eat chunks of that just on its own? They they tried to warn me. Oh. I was I was being stupid. They did. The, the, I can do the, this. The, I think two me. waiters came out. <laughs> I, I did a lot of stupid American things while I was over there. <laughs> that, looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, I was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's got to be one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's me. Like, the, they walk a certain way on the sidewalk, and I would just, like, completely forget that you had to walk this certain way. And all of a sudden, I'm just, like, uh, walking directly into oncoming people traffic. And I was like, oh, shit, they have, like, a line. You had to walk on the other side of the line. Like, fuck. And then uh, they, they're, you can't, like... You can't walk and like drink or eat. You're not supposed to. Yeah, they look okay. at you. You were raised badly. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, we. I'm like, I'm a coffee guy, and we have places to be. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to yeah, drink. Sit and drink the coffee in one spot. What? Right. Yeah. And uh, oh, and, and then on the train, you got to be really quiet. You can't eat or drink. And we're like, we're planning hey, our day. Time that's so that's to be cringe. All right. <laughs> that was the time. Like, dude, just quiet yourself. You don't. He doesn't know how. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we made it. Oh, and and don't don't look at people in the face like that. That's another thing that they weren't into. Yeah. What like are you walking on the sidewalk? That's like a character. That's like a like a, a test of someone's character to us over here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're you're taught to you know look at the world in the face, which then is looking at other people in the face. But you know, looking up, what do yeah. they what do they look at there? Like at uh, somewhere lower than the face, like the chest, ground. Yeah. the ground, oh, the ground. Weird. It's ground. Something, yeah, I don't know. It did feel like a air of fear everywhere. I don't know. I think Strange. it might have been because the the pandemic just ended there in March, so you know, and, they had a very real fear. And like, that, yeah, you know, that could so. be. Looking at the ground would be weird, you know, here, looking at somebody, you know, lower. So we go from the, if we're not looking at somebody in the face, then we're looking at the chest. And so half the people, you're staring at somebody's breasts, if that's the case, right? And then if that's not it, all right, you look lower. And then you're looking at somebody's crotch, I suppose. And so then that just seems weird if you're staring there. And so then if you go lower, then again, like I said, we're, we're kind of taught to, you know, have some confidence, you know, stare at the world in the face. Therefore, you're kind of looking at everybody else in the face. So it'd be very weird to do any of the other options. There. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like a lot of the things we do are seen as like arrogant, you know, or like or like too much, you know. Sure. So. And and truthfully, a lot of people there were shorter than us <laughs> for, for once in my life. So so they were already kind of lower <laughs> when we were walking. I felt pretty tall. You were you were the tallest for sure. <laughs> Devin's a giant. Standing out in the crowds, which would probably be intimidating. When that I went to France, it was probably like uh, I think twelve years ago, and I uh, was probably in the best shape of my life at that point. And I'm five eleven, so I'm not tall, but I'm not short. Just kind of you know averageish, wherever that is. But in France, I felt big. Like most people were, if they were close to my height, they were definitely skinnier than me. And so there was that uh, where, where I think people kind of had that intimidation, intimidated look or vibe about them when we were around. Like there were signs for pickpockets everywhere. I never had anybody touch me, let alone bump into me, let alone take any of my shit, right? You know, and it's not because I'm, again, I'm 
average-ish in height, and at the time I was probably 200 pounds, so I'm not a huge dude. I'm not Troy, you know, I'm not on stage uh, taking my shirt off because, again, I feel like I'm fairly average as far as that goes. It was just, you know, it's different culture. People walk everywhere there, so there's definitely not obesity like we have in this country, you know. So for me, I feel like I'm pretty average as opposed to, you go someplace else that doesn't have that. And I'm sure Japan would be the same way. I'm sure they don't have the obesity issues like we have than trying to a- attempts at normalizing the obesity even uh, because they probably don't have the, that problem. It's probably very few and far between uh, just. In yeah, those- no, I mean, they don't eat three plates of food for one meal. So that's, right. that's the first, the first difference. They right. were, <laughs> they were very practical. <laughs> right <laughs> practical portions <laughs> they're not overdoing they were, it yeah, when, when I would, yeah so when I would take my shirt off on stage that they, they'd freak out <laughs> it was it was, was kind of awkward for me <laughs> <laughs> no, no they really like it was a thing um, <laughs> yeah i think it's awesome man you, hey you you can do it you know if some dude with a big belly that's hanging below his zipper there is doing it it's like Hey, all right, cool if you're confident, but you know, somebody that works out in as good shape like you are, Troy, man, that it makes sense. It doesn't you look at him like, yep, cool. That guy can do it. Uh, uh, it would be I'd quit the band if I didn't get a little skin here and there. So <laughs> So all three so, yeah, of so, have you guys had a so show we, where all three of you had your shirts off playing? Yes. Well, usually uh, Troy and I take our shirts off. I stopped taking my shirt off when I started singing and playing because I got the uh, my like Madonna mic and I have the uh, the cord. It has to like I got like going down the back of my shirt, so it's kind of killed my uh, my topless performance. That's but, fair. Uh, but yeah, there was one. There was one where it was the three of us, and it was at O'Brien's. And I remember yeah. Joy being like, "I'm never doing that again." <laughs> <laughs> well, like, no, no. I think I, I, I think it, I think it was because it was like he was like, dude, it was so hot. It was like some yeah. summer playing there. It was so hot that like you just couldn't have clothes on. Yeah, yeah. So we we did we did all that. We did seven flights in three weeks, which is the most I've ever flown in my entire life. I think all compact into like one short time. <laughs> Joey hadn't flown for fifteen years, so yeah, that, that, that was, was a big deal for him. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. realistically but, uh, handled it like a champ it sounds just like you guys had an amazing trip vacation holiday whatever you would want to call it and you guys got to go you know be with your buddies and uh, go play music while you were doing it but first and foremost it just yeah. sounds like an amazing trip to to have been on so great it was a dream and then uh we got back and then immediately had the release of the video during that we, we got back to salem when it was like the height of like Halloween madness. Right. And uh, had the, the video premiere at the Salem cinema, the old, the old uh, Salem theater. And it was um, like literally, it was part of the programming for the Salem haunted happenings, which was like really exciting to be. Yeah. That was a particular part of it, you know? Right. So it wasn't cool. just, you know, post on your social media, tell your friends. It was a thing that yeah. was a part of, something that yeah, everybody's we going to find we out about program you know right? I mean? like hundreds of thousands of people were getting you know? yeah. so you're so in the brochure and, and the 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 there's, there's those like those giant old school marquees and it said bricks and mortar hail the wolf when we, when we walked up i was like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, my moments. Look, ma. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I, I definitely took a picture and sent it to my mom too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about at the very top of this, uh, how cool it was because your guys' video is something uh, different. It's not, it's in its classification with, again, the only thing that even comes to mind theatrically when it comes to a music video like that would, would have been Thriller, right? And uh, to have that on top of getting that type of a treatment with a music video, I mean, obviously, if it was a three-minute music video, might be a little bit overkill to put it in a movie theater. But your guys' thing was theatrical for sure, not just a music video. So it's super cool that you guys did what you did, but then were able to debut it to people in that fashion as well. It's awesome. Just a, another experience. We're talking about these great experiences you just had, and then that's going to be one of those things when you look back at your music career, not just your live shows and you pick out, like, that show in Hawaii is going to be in my top you know, uh, shows that I've ever done. I'm going to remember that. And that tour in Japan, top things that I did for shows, but that music video and that experience you guys did for debuting is going to be one of those things you look back overall on your entirety of your music career because that's something that, you know, I don't know, I, I assume something like that might have happened for Michael Jackson, but nobody else. Like, who who gets to put and debut their music videos, right, in a movie theater, and it's fitting for something so cool as the the Halloween happenings there in Salem of all places. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you laid that out. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now, now the bar is there because when we were doing Q and As after the movie, we got asked a couple times. So is it going to be a part two? What are you guys doing next? So now we've got this like fucking super high bar that, oh, yeah. that we've got to now start at. <laughs> right. Well, it's really cool because. We had, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're doing all this talking about the video, but we really can't, nobody can see it yet because right. we're, uh, we're entering it into uh, short film festivals, which is another interesting thing to do with your music video. And so, so one of the, you know, some of the red tape there is that, you know, you can't release it or they won't touch it. So, so it's kind of, we, you know, it's a little bit of a mystery for everybody right now, but I will say that when you do get to see it, um, it's, uh, it, all, everything was hand built. We met, we made everything ourselves with the help of our friend Katron, who uh, she was. She helped build the original Guar costumes, wow. and she's like she worked on major major uh, motion pictures. Like she was just doing Beetlejuice too. She, yeah. Yep, she did Hubie the Hubie Halloween. Oh, <laughs> she yeah. did uh, the Boston movie. Um, lots of stuff. So she's like, yeah, she's like legit. And um, so it's just really cool. There was a lot of talent that came together for that video. And I wish people could see it, but soon enough. They will. So, so many of our friends, like, like literally like our, our friend that is a carpenter, like helped me build like the crucifix and, uh, Life -size crucifix. yeah. Oh, I, he, he saw it. I, I sent him a, I, sent I him know, a but for the people watching this or, you know, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the, lead singer of the hellbound hitman was like the executioner hammering nails into my my wrists you know blood squirting out everywhere and we had uh we built a fake floor and uh in our practice space and had our friends underneath it with hudson sprayers full of like black slime and lights and smoke machines and like and then we, we did the stuff on top of the fake floor and and then everyone helped us take it apart and it was just like uh so many people were were just awesome enough to be like hell yeah this rules let's get together and like create something out of nothing and have fun doing it with our friends you know 
Yeah, we had the amazing uh, punk band Color Killer star in it. And these are like these young teenagers that are just out of control. Their band is so top notch. It's like, it's kind of interesting because you look at them, they're so young. Like I'm talking, they're like 14, 15, 16. And you're like, how, how did you, how did you have the, the influences to write this music and you're t as a teenager it's like very because they have like a pop sensibility almost like a like an old school like 50s pop sort of sensibility it's wow. kind of interesting do you know what i'm saying troy when i say that yeah yeah it's, um, it's uh, yeah they've got like a like a doo pop punk kind of yeah yeah and i guess the one feel. dude his cousin is in that was in bane so i think that's yeah. why where his like foundation comes from but yeah they, yeah, they were they're not actors and they did amazingly in the in the video and um and that was really cool. And then our friend Mary Widow, uh she um she's a, she's like a legendary burlesque dancer in Boston and she um she choreographed an entire number. So yeah, we're talking about this being like thriller. We literally have zombies doing a choreographed dance right. number. Not, right. Not zombies, but sure. Okay, not zombies, but yes, no, you know. <laughs> they were possessed and I thought it was cool. It was just like thriller where you you have that look the the normal look but then the next scene you know the you have the possessed look the transformed look and, and you guys pulled that off as, as well with the the choreographed dancers <laughs> which was really cool and a lot of the special effects really great man i'm looking at the uh the wrist with the blood squirting out and i'm looking at that like how'd they do that that looks awesome. <laughs> I only had one chance to go through, but you're looking at it like that looks like a real wrist with a real spike and real blood shooting out of it. We uh, we brought all the all the props. We got the cocoons and the the uh, the, the arm of the crucifix that had the nails in it. Uh, we brought the like the fake spikes. We brought it all to the the premiere. We laid it out in, in the theater so people could go up there and take pictures in front of the cocoons and like touch the fake hands and the railroad spikes and uh and like the the big green arm that came out of the cocoons to hand us all of our instruments that was there and uh yeah it was because i mean as as growing up i'm like a monster kid so i would have loved to have been like you know watch a movie and then see the actual things from the movie right, right there it was it was cool even though i did it seeing it there i was like this is so fucking cool <laughs> Do you guys have something in mind like you could uh, as a, a part two or you, I guess you could do something completely different. But on the topic of still having those props or at least at that moment you had the props part two and you could incorporate some of the stuff that you already used or had in, in some fashion. Yeah, I mean, I've got there's a whole bunch more to the story. It's more on the, the, the motorcycle guy part of it. OK, like his his kind of backstory. But yeah, there, there, there's so much to, to go with that. Like, I, I mean, if, if any production company sees that at some of the film festivals and we're like, hey, you know, we'd be interested in like making this a bigger thing. I'd be like, all right, cool. Let's flesh it out because here's like 20 more pages of shit that, that I've written down, you know, the, the same narrative and the same theme and story that we could flesh out, you know, some of the other characters in it. That is cool. And I think that it's a great thing to do, uh, an additional thing to do, right? Like, are you guys familiar with the band Spirit World from Las Vegas? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Okay. I love Spirit World. Yeah. So, Stu. Dude, their videos are insane. Right. Stu, have you seen his short stories book? We had him on the show. I think it was 
last year, October-ish or something like that. Anyway, we were talking to him about his short stories, and I was saying, like, I totally think, you know, having read through it, you, you kind of wrote something that seems like you could really expand upon it. Like you kind of created your own universe. You could create like a short series of sorts and then go off on that. And plus then, you know, the music that goes along with the theme of, of what he's doing. So, and, you know, I didn't give Stu any ideas. He already had all this shit in his mind and things that he was planning on doing. So by no means am I trying to take credit for anything. Stu, anything that Stu does, he already <laughs> had. I just, when I saw it, I could see this being something. And, of course, he, he already had all those ideas and will go develop whatever he's going to go develop as he does it. But, you know, that's what I see when I see what you guys did, like, I suppose if people make, as I was saying, their two-minute, three-minute music videos, you could have something that continues on, but it's not as thematic or uh, cinematic as what you guys did. So there's definitely more to a story there, and so it makes sense that you would have some other ideas and could expand upon that along with the theme of music. I mean, maybe you guys already have songs that would go along with what you would do or maybe having those ideas that you already have would help you create the songs that would do those things. Songs. Yeah. yeah. Which totally would be Dude, awesome I, and very much similar world, to what Stu's doing. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta know how they fucking play those shows and those outfits, man. Like, yeah, like those they're, nudie they're, suits they're are they're awesome. <laughs> like Texas outside. And I'm like, you guys, I would die. Like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's super cool. And I, I asked Stu when they were here, uh, because we had talked to him, but I hadn't seen him play live at that point that we did the interview with them. I knew that they would wear some of those, but not to that extent because, you know, maybe it was two years ago. Anyway, uh, when, when you see them all playing, I'm like, Stu, when are you guys going to sell the jackets or the coats so other people can get them? And he's like, these are really expensive. And so to try to make them so other people could buy them uh, is not a cheap thing to do. <laughs> And, and as you said, it's probably oh, really imagine. warm, you know, like if you had those diehard fans that are like, I'm getting me one of those nudie suits that they have and I'm going to show up at their show at that time. Like, that's not like wearing the band's T-shirt like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, they're, 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 they're fucking great, man. That That is like. They're probably one of my favorite bands right now. They, they are just so awesome. And, right. Uh, car and i'm looking up pictures of him now and i'm like oh i see what you're talking about right yeah man like and, and to pull that shit off He's cool. with like wearing all that shit sweating your fucking nuts off yeah oh, right <laughs> and they're from las vegas so i mean they're playing when they're playing like regional shows like if you guys were to do regional shows you're up in massachusetts you might hit maine vermont new hampshire new york connecticut something like that because they're all close proximity probably not far of a drive when i saw you guys it was connecticut uh, you know, you, I wasn't yeah. even in Boston, Salem, anywhere in Massachusetts when I saw you guys play. And, and so that proximity, you know, you take that for those guys. Their proximity is Nevada, Arizona, Southern California, and it's hot. Not, you know, for me, year round, you know, right now it's like 40 degrees outside when it's really warm. And so if I was to go to Las Vegas and it's like 60 to 70 or in Phoenix or something like that, 70 to 80 at this time of year, I'm like, shit, yeah, this is hot. I'm wearing a swimsuit if I can, <laughs> you know? And so Seriously. they're wearing those things everywhere that they're going and it's super cool. It's a great theme that goes along with that. I mean, for anybody that's, 
picked up on Spirit World. They've got two full lengths, but it's very metal. But if you listen to the stuff Stu was doing under that name Spirit World before then, where it's cosmic cowpunk is how it was described. And when I heard that, I thought, this is some of the coolest shit. What is this? You, you know, you don't even know what the fuck it is. What am I hearing? And then you figure out, you know, self-described cosmic cowpunk, and then they've evolved it into metal. But everything that he's doing is just super cool. And again, you guys are right there along those lines with that thematic and the, the places you can go with it. Like other people would have to really come up with a concept. You've already got a concept and something that you're doing. And from here, you could just expand upon it in whatever fashion that you choose. Oh, we're gonna, (laughs) (laughs) you're absolutely going to, we're, we're, we're already, we're already working right now on uh, the next two songs for a split with one of the, uh, our label mates in the Netherlands and talking about uh, doing the tour with them in uh, this summer. Awesome. Well, uh, to, to follow that up then, would that be something, uh, y- you know, the festivals that you're a part of, would they be finished by then? And the reason why the follow-up question is, if you do a tour with them, is that something that you could do on tour where you, I mean, it's obviously a lot more to arrange, but you could arrange viewings or showings of that either beforehand at the venue, somewhere else during the day, whatever, obviously up to you. But is that something that you could do uh while you're on tour, because, you know, again, going back to that three-minute music video, if I have a new music video, I'm not going to go invite people out uh, while I'm on tour and be like, hey, check out this new music video. It's like, no, go to YouTube. This is where it is, or go check it out on my Instagram. But you guys have something far cooler than that, where you're not just going to be like, hey, go to wherever and check that out. You could legitimately be doing something like that if you have the time to kind of sort it out again, because you know, doing it at the same venue right beforehand might not be as easy as the words coming out of my mouth, but uh, it'd yeah, be a really I mean, cool it, thing it's to a do. Great idea. Instead of having an opener, we just play, we play Hail the Wolf video and then there's an opener and then we play. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I, I've seen, they're not, maybe yeah. not quite that long, but I've seen some bands, you know, intro music that seems to go on for a while. I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't 18 minutes, but you have something going on and then eventually they work their way up to the stage and you're like, wow, that took a while, but cool, whatever. But yeah, you guys <laughs> could totally do something like that where it wouldn't be, just intro music and the house lights have gone down and people are wondering, all right, what the fuck's going to happen? I mean, this sounds cool, but when, when's something going to happen, that would be a really cool way to uh, get yourself on stage too. So that definitely another way to do it. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a, there's a lot that we can organize. And I mean, if there's a way to do it, we'll figure it out. (laughs) We, we, we tend to be really good at like having a challenge and then figuring out how we're supposed to do this and then making it work. If there's ever a, a, a group of guys that like can figure it out and it's challenging that makes it almost more cool for us to try to figure out how to do it. Right. That's definitely more gratifying. Well, if you get a couple more videos too, it, it would make sense. Like if you came to Salt Lake, arrange for a, a movie theater. Cause I know movie theaters here. I don't know if they still do, but like on a Saturday night, they'll show a UFC fight, right? You can go to the movie theater. They'll rent out one of their theaters or people can rent out the theaters. Uh, somebody did for their company and I got invited and watched, uh, like, I don't even know what it was like three, four years ago, right? They had that. So you could do something like that. Uh, it might be more difficult to do with one video that's 18 minutes, but say you get two to three, 
or three to four, and they're all somewhere in that range, and then you're actually showing something that's, I guess, closer to proximity and maybe continues in a story or whatever, but uh, you could definitely do that almost like a book tour, right? It's the similar to a oh, book yeah. tour, and you guys would also be able to play a show that, that would go along with it, and you would occupy the theater for about the same amount of time that a movie would take place. Sure. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, it's what we did in Salem. Right, yeah. right. So that would be really cool. worked out very well. <laughs> that would be awesome. And to go to Europe, I think that would be a good way uh, as an introduction. You know, you were talking about in Japan, people just heard there was an American band and they were going to go show up. Well, if during the day at a theater or at some venue, they were come across and they see this thing, they're like, oh, that's really cool, and come to find out, those guys are in a band and they're playing at some venue tonight. Now I want to go see them play on top of having, you know, been at some other thing that wasn't a music venue. It was, I happened to be going to a movie theater. I saw this thing. I wanted to check it out. And now I came across this band. I like the way you think. <laughs> I like all mediums, you know, the, the stories. I'm a story person. Songs are stories. Movies are stories. All of those things. And I like the story. And I like the, the telling of the story. And I, I, I think that, and again, just like the book tour reference, it's something similar to that where people want to go meet the people that did the thing. They want to go experience the thing. You, you, you know, it's cool to go see the movie, but if you get the opportunity to see the people that created it, ask them the questions as you guys did, uh, as you stated too, having some of the props, I mean, that's probably not as reasonable to go on tour in Europe or somewhere else and haul all this stuff along with you for those things, but having yourselves and then the show that you would put on after the fact too, uh, definitely much more reasonable. But that would be uh, a really cool thing to do if you get that opportunity and if one or two of those songs are something on that split that you're going to do with the band from the Netherlands and then you happen to go play there and you make one of those songs another video, right? Cool way to introduce people to multiple things that you're doing. Yeah, multimedia band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there isn't very many of those. Again, that video you did, like I said, there, there could be other examples. I'm familiar with you guys and Michael Jackson and then to do this multimedia <laughs> band thing, uh, you guys and Spirit World. And I'm going to give the credit to Stu not to take from anybody else. But, I mean, Stu writes all the stories and all that stuff. So it's really it's Stu. But uh, the, there isn't many that are doing that multimedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they are such a great band, man. Yeah. I, I, hope, I hope they come and do Boston soon. Right? That'd be great to do anywhere. Those guys can play so many. They uh, They've played with such a variety of bands too. And uh, when I talked to Stu, you know, obviously plans can change, but I think he had three full lengths or something like that, or four, like he has this planned out, like the amount of full lengths that he's doing in this style of, you know, it's really, it's like death metal of sorts, right? You know, not to like, it's like death metal, hardcore punk. Exactly. About spirit world is the, the lead rhythms that are kind of like hip hop a little bit. <laughs> it reminds you of like 90s hip-hop beats, like how, how that awesome. guitarist plays. That is awesome. Well, Stu said that uh, I think he's got other plans. I mean, that dude is a planner for all sorts of things that he's trying to do, and I think he's got another plan for Spirit World after he completes what he his concept is right now with what he's doing. And again, there isn't that many bands out there that are have this multimedia 
thing, you know, short stories or whatever that also go along comic books. You know, I think that I've come across, you know, you know, some that have like a, a theme that might go along with their music, but in a comic book form or something like that. But it's very, very few and far between. So when you come across some that do something like that, it's very dynamic and it definitely stands out and intrigues people. The, 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 cross-marketing, as it were, you know, somebody that might just be into comic books, but they come into comic books, and then it's like, hey, there's this band that did this thing, and now I want to check them out, and you guys, to do the the cinematic music video as you did, and then if you, especially if you were to do more, then it, it intrigues other people, because right at the film festivals that you're going to be a part of, they're not bringing in bands to do stuff, I, I yeah. assume, typically, but now you guys are one unit doing something, but you're here and you're there and so many other places that you can be. You know, it, it, it's always no, if you don't ask. So, um, sure. you know, maybe some of these festivals, uh, I'm, I'll just say, Hey, you know, if, if it's realistic, like we did some like Hail Mary ones, you know, but ones that are like local, if, uh, you know, when they contact us about whatever the arrangement's going to be, when the film is with the other films and I'll always just offer, if it makes sense, but like, Hey, you know, the, the shorts 18 minutes and, uh, we'd be interested in coming and playing like a 25 minute set right afterwards. If that works for the film festival or whatever. Right. And I think that'd be something really cool for people to, to do. Cause again, uh, it's that multimedia. Some people are going to go see some films and you, when you have the options, like I'm going to see this short film, this short film, but this particular short film actually has a band that's going to be playing too. So something that's different than what you would just get with maybe some of the other ones. Totally. Yeah, man. Fucking phenomenal idea. <laughs> I'll give you credit. <laughs> I just want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome, man. That rules. Well, what haven't we covered we with what you guys are up to? We covered, you know, because we covered a lot on the, the first thing. Is there anything that you guys might be up to besides this split that uh, you're, you're looking at doing? Uh, is there anything else? You know, the end of the year is quite close, so not specifically before the end of the year, but uh, some 2024 plans besides potentially heading over to Europe for a tour with the band you might be doing split with. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now we're talking to Rise Above from the Netherlands, but uh, nothing's in stone yet. They're just beginning talks. Some East Coast stuff. Uh, we're looking to do like a New York, Philly, Baltimore stint. We've done it before. Uh, it's easy for us because it's so close. Right. Hoping to do this um, with our friends uh, One Fall from Salem and then hopefully the Iron Roses as well. So that's... Yeah, they're great. We played with them before and they're, they're a great band and we'll super get, fun. It's super nice. Best, so we'll see how that works. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, Rebellion uh, reached, we reached out, they reached back. So if we do the Netherlands tour, we'll have to work it out around Rebellion Festival. Which would be awesome. So, <laughs> fuck yeah. That would be really yeah, cool. That, that, that's another bucket list thing I've, I've been wanting to do forever. <laughs> well, I hope you get to do that. And again, not to beat a dead horse or anything, but, you know, if you guys had your video and, uh, how often does Rebellion or any large festivals that are music festivals get to do something like that? And it might give others ideas to kind of do what you guys did as well to see, oh, look what these guys did. That's fucking awesome. Maybe we should take this song we did or we'll create a song and do something like that. And then before you know it, at Rebellion Festival and something else, while you have 
10 or 15 different stages, there's also going to be some other room with videos, you know, you know, 20 yeah. minute short films and stuff like that, that are created and going along with what the bands are doing. Maybe you guys are the trendsetter. Yeah. Fuck yeah. No, we, we know we are. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And I think it would be a really cool thing to do to go to a, a festival and actually have something like that uh, as an opportunity. Cause really those all day long festivals, sometimes, uh, man, especially punk rock bowling in Vegas, that shit is outdoors. And in May, you're like yeah. at 100 degrees and the sun, you're out there in the sun with no shade for at least six or seven of those hours. Brutal. And you, I'd be happy to be like, well, there's a cool couple bands that are awesome. But hey, guess what? They have an indoor area. I can go watch some of these short films. Even if I wasn't into short films, I'd be going in there to check out the short films. <laughs> Same, same, man. I'm, I'm so dehydrated and fucking burnt out of my brain when I go to punk rock bowling. Right. <laughs> It'd be a really cool thing for them to add, and obviously not uh, that much more, I would think, to coordinate. But you need more people than one band to, that's doing it to justify <laughs> being able to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe we'll talk to Stu in Spirit World and set something up. Yes. <laughs> I wonder where Stu's at. I haven't talked to Stu in a while, so I wonder where he's at with those ideas. Uh, that would be awesome. And, again, trendsetter here. Awesome. You know, I, I bring up the Michael Jackson thriller, not to say that you guys did it because of that or inspired by it or anything. That's just the only thing I can think of that's even something similar to what you guys did. And that was obviously so far ago that that's not something that – is you guys like, hey, we saw this Michael Jackson thriller video, so now we want to try and do it. It's uh, you guys are doing your own thing, and at this point, you'd be inspiring others that would be doing it. For sure. Love that. Well, where can we find you? Let's wrap this up. I appreciate you guys taking all the time that you did. Where can we find you? Where should people follow you? You're doing the Vagrant Vignettes on YouTube, so where should people be checking you guys out on that? All right, yeah. Here, hold up a second. I've been, I've been running the socials. So what, what do we do here? So I'm finally getting a handle on the on the yeah the, on the YouTube here. So let this is so so this, uh, this kills me. <laughs> um, uh, bricks and mortar. It's at bricks and mortar. B R I X N M O R T A R. All spelled out. And then um, at bricks and mortar. Oi is our uh, Instagram and Facebook handle. So you can find us on there. Um, so yeah, definitely um, the YouTube is like, we're, we're really we're really having fun getting some, uh, putting things together, like just special videos for that. So definitely, uh, you know, give that a, give that a, uh, a look. Excellent. That's awesome. And I definitely will. Uh, it's again, really cool to have something else. I mean, we really kind of glazed over that a little bit, I suppose. But again, another facet of a multimedia band as to what you guys are doing. And it, obviously it helps to go do something out of the ordinary, record some footage and then have that ability. It's not me in Salt Lake. I'm going to have this band here in Salt Lake and we're going to go around Salt Lake and maybe make some videos. It's really cool for a band from Massachusetts that is in Hawaii and in Japan and just, you know, really out of your element as it were, as far as location goes but then you're really in your element because of what you were there doing. And so uh, really cool to have documented it and then to have something. And again, just makes you guys that much more of a multimedia. I don't even want to call you a yeah, multimedia right band because I don't know if that's really the right term, but it really is as far as what you guys are up to and, and what you're putting out. Sure, man. 
I appreciate all that feedback, man. Excellent. Great. You're right, Dustin. Thank you so much. Absolutely, guys. Thank, thank you for joining and uh, look forward to the next time. Uh, tell Joey we miss him and the next time we'll have to have all you guys on there. For sure, bro. We love your show. We love everything you do. Thank you for the support, man. Really absolutely. appreciate it. From the beginning. From the beginning. Absolutely. Yes, Office. absolutely. Yes. All right, fellas. Awesome. Take it Cheers, easy. Cheers, man. Thanks so much. See ya.
Bricks and mortar. What a killer sound. Great band. Thank you again to those guys for joining me, Devin and Troy. Great. Joey, we'll see on the next one. Hopefully the ankle's healing great. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too big of a deal. Uh, and didn't, doesn't impede upon his holiday season. Uh, we got a few more tracks that we are going to play before we wrap up the show. I hope you enjoyed the interview, as I always do. I had a blast doing it. Great conversation. Lots of fun. Uh, we're going to play a few of the bands that they played in Japan. As they talked about, you're going to have to do some research. I mean, I, I struggled to find uh, handfuls of these bands, and so I fortunately was able to pick some of the ones I definitely wanted to cover, but like Tricolor that they talked about, I couldn't figure out which one it was and where the music was. So unfortunately, I didn't find that one. But what we did find, we will play. So First Brew from Tokyo, uh, great band, as they said. That band started in 2019 on April 24th of 2021. They put out Unite, which was a single. We're going to listen to that right now. But first, the band is found at First Brew Band on Facebook and at firstbrew.jpn over on Instagram. So check them out there. Great band, great music. Here is the single Unite. <laughs> Yeah. 
Horse Brew, that is Unite. Next up, we're going to play the band Bumped His Head. I was able to find that band. Uh, cool track, cool sound. Uh, they released Fight of Freedom EP on February 16th of 2016. As I said at the beginning, uh, a lot of the tracks at the beginning of the show were new tracks as opposed to tracks towards the end of the show are all older tracks. Every one of the tracks from the Japanese bands I was able to find all over one year old, but the next two after this coming up are not too much beyond that. Uh, bumped his head February 16th of 2016. Didn't find social medias for Bumped His Head, but you can definitely go find them. I believe it was on Bandcamp. Fight of Freedom is the single. There was two tracks that I was able to find from that EP. We're going to listen to the title track, Fight of Freedom. So here goes with Bumped His Head. <laughs> Hardcore from Tokyo there. Next up, we only have two tracks left. And next up, we're going to be playing, as they said, The Rancid of Japan, Skinhead Girl. Uh, I don't know where specifically in Japan, but the area they were in is Tokyo. But there's some area, you know, some bigger areas, well-known areas that are in proximity. So somewhere in that range. Uh, the band Skinhead Girl put out Punks Living in the Underground on August 14th of 2022. That was their second album. Their first album, I want to say, was like six years or so prior to that. wasn't like really close release window. But that's their second. Uh, you, they do have a Facebook page, Skinhead Girl, all one word. So go check them out there. Uh, we're going to listen to the title track. So here we go. Let's do it. Punks Living in the Underground. Yeah. 
Skinhead Girl. That is Punks Living in the Underground. Great band. Go check them out if you can get their stuff again. Some of the stuff from Japan that at least the guys were talking about, a little bit more difficult to get a hold of. Uh, the next one is Bayonets. I was only able to find a split that they did with the band B-Side Approach. It's called Bastard Blues. It was released December 12th of 2022, so just a little bit over a year ago. The band Bayonets are from Yokohama in Japan. They had three tracks on there. We'll play another one uh, on an upcoming episode over on Punkanoi Worldwide. But here on the Punkcast, we are going to play a cover from the band. And it'll lead us into the last thing we're going to wrap the show up with right after it. So uh, Evil from the Foreskins, that's a cover from Bayonets. What is Bayonets, awesome. They did a great cover there. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I enjoyed discovering a lot of the bands that the guys told me about. Hopefully you did as well. Interview is fantastic. Hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. We're going to wrap up the show with a cover from Bricks and Mortar. We've played it before, but kind of cover leading in. If you haven't heard it on Punkadoy Worldwide or on SLC Punkcast or gone and checked out Something Ain't Right, well, you can listen to it now and further know why you should be getting yourself that album, Something Ain't Right. So let's do it. It's Don't Change, an In Excess cover. It's going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up the show now with Bricks and Mortar.
those guys killed it on that cover. Great band, great release. I dig it a lot. I hope you did. I hope you enjoyed the interviews. Guys are fantastic. I look forward to the next time with them. And I hope you have a great holiday, great holiday weekend, great holiday week. Eric and I will be back in the middle of the week for episode 344. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Play the fucking outro. (laughs) 